Hi, I'm Walt Thiessen from the LOA Today podcast. If you've been listening to LOA Today for any length of time, you know that mindset plays a huge role in what we talk about with our guests each day. You know that mindset is something we all need to work on every day. After all, as researchers have discovered, the average human thinks a negative thought 80% of the time during his or her day every day. I've been thinking about that fact recently, asking myself, what can I do to help more people like you to reset your brains the way you want them reset? And I came up with an idea for an experiment, and I want to invite you to participate. I'm calling it the Brain Retrainers Club, and I've scheduled a Zoom meeting for Wednesday, October 19th at 8 p.m. New York time, and you're invited. It's free. To register, just visit loatoday.net forward slash brain. That's B-R-A-I-N, loatoday.net forward slash brain. See you there. Today, I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And uh, I'm especially happy to be starting a new week here on LOA Today, as I always like to with my Monday co-hosts, Anne-Marie and Louis. And uh, it, it, it's kind of like the way I know that the week has started, because when we do the first episode of the week, like, oh, OK, yeah, here we go. You know, other people, they, they get frustrated with Mondays. For me, Monday is the signal. Like, oh, yeah, good episode coming up. Here we come. This is going to be good. So, and, and we have a special guest joining us today who I'm sure is going to even add to that more. Her name is Andrea Petrude. I forgot to ask you the pronunciation of your name. Did I get that right? Very good. I got it. Boy, first try. Who knew? But, uh, yeah, Andrea, Andrea has one of the most interesting titles I've ever heard. I mean, uh, you know, when, when you book a guest, you find out, you know, what, what it is that, who they are, what they do and so forth. And there's usually, they, they give themselves a, a descriptive title to identify what they do. She describes herself as an intuitive co-empowerment thought leader. I mean, now there's an interesting title. I never heard that one before. That's really good. Very creative. So welcome to the program, Andrea. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you, Walt. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, Emory. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm really great. It's Thanksgiving in Canada, so I'm giving oh, gratitude yeah. to all of you that I'm here, and we can share this uh, moment together. Fabulous. Happy yes. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. That's a wonderful <laughs> Thank you. Thing. Um, so tell us yeah. a little bit about yourself. I mean, you have a bit of a history. Give us that history. Oh, yeah. So I'm originally from Romania. I was born in 1981. And I say it because recently I've seen that people take me as a teenager. And I oh. I really appreciate that. But still, I'm 42 people. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, I moved here to Canada in 2017 to be together with my husband. And I brought my two boys. And after that, me and my husband had a girl. So now we're three. Wow. <laughs> three children. We're five in total of three children. Yeah. And my story as, you know, as a leader, uh, because we start with my designation, it starts when my mom died in 1992. And when I found out, uh, 
that she had cancer, somehow something in me, my intuition said, well, girl, you're on your own. So subconsciously, I guess, I just started um, realizing that I need to do something for myself. And when I heard she died, I was shocked. In the same time, I completely switched to the I'm on my own. I got to take care of myself. And it was true because nobody around me really knew how to handle her absence. Mm. And year by year, me and my dad working together to, you know, pull ourselves up. Yeah, sure. And yeah. And um, in the same time, you know, growing up teenager, I wasn't quite the rebel kind, but I was the kind who needs a lot of love. And my dad, was trying very hard to take care of me and he needed a lot of support himself. So mm. he was not in the place to give that. And I looked outside and I started learning about lots of things. I had the privilege and the um, opportunity to be surrounded by spiritual people from diverse backgrounds and beliefs. And I kept my, I would say my light, my positivity, positivity and my spiritual side. Thanks to them. I received the love, I received the guidance, the support through other people, um, especially mothers of my friends from school. Nice. <laughs> that that's was lucky. Awesome. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. And I started wanting to know more, more about me, more about the things that I thought were not okay. I went to, I finished high school, I couldn't get to college, and I had to work. And really having a job as a librarian in Romania helped me a lot because I discover more and more about who I am, what I can do, and my skills. And just, you know, life, relationships, and everything really shaped me into who I am and helped me remember my gifts and skills and use them over time. And I got married, have two boys from the first marriage. That worked well in the beginning, didn't work out in the end. And I had to shift my perspective on myself because I was at a point, especially 2014, 2007, 2015, sorry, where I, um, I actually wanted to kill myself. Oh. <laughs> and that's not a good place to be when you have no. choice. <laughs> no. no. So I remember one thing, I, and I would like to share just because it may save somebody. I remember one thing where I was, um, you know, there are some cartoons where the mom is in the bathroom and the kids try to get in. Well, I was in that moment wow. in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, God, I can't handle it anymore. But then I remember the promise that I made to myself when my mom dies. And maybe even before that, I said that when I become a mother, I want to stay alive, take care of my health as long as I can. So at least if something happens to me, at least it's going to be when my children are old enough to take mm-hmm. care of themselves. So just that thought held me like, okay, breathe into it and say, oh, I'm going to do this one more day. Yeah. So I, I just had the courage and the strength remembering that I promised that I will be old enough to take care of my children. And so, yeah, so after that, little by little with a friend in the United States who believed in me and who guided me to really stand up for myself, take care of myself. I managed to find tools, people, I invested in myself, and I did the work. For me, I realized that, yeah, thinking is good, making a choice is good, but taking action is the one that's bringing the change. So Mm -hmm. step by step, encouraged by friends, 
I took action and I started not feeling alone, not feeling so dreadful. And um, as soon as I worked on my beliefs, I found the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton again, because mm-hmm. it appeared in my life in 2007, but I didn't take it seriously. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So then I found it again and I started applying what he did and learning from uh, instructors. And that really shifted my life completely because through applying Psyche, which is a tool that he mentions in one of his books, mm-hmm. I found out um, a vision, and in that vision was my current husband. So oh, wow. all those, yeah, so all those things together, just working on my subconscious beliefs and shifting as much as possible and keeping that track really got me to have uh, a whole lifestyle, different perspectives upon my past, upon who I am, my relationships with everything. And before leaving Romania, I decided that all I want is to make peace, make peace mm. with myself, make peace with my past, make peace with my family, with with everybody, because I want to leave on a blank slate. So that's what I did. And here we are five years together. And it's, it's been really, really wonderful. And life uh, is full of synchronicity and flow because I kept doing those things and improving and always being the best version that I can. That's certainly something we talk about a lot here on the program, doing the work, keeping at it, just go at it over and over again. Anne-Marie and I were chatting over the weekend uh, about a a different kind of topic, but it was the same thing. You you have, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, you got to do the work. Otherwise, you're not going to improve. And and it's a big deal, especially when you, I mean, my goodness, you you had the death of your mother and then you were experiencing suicidal thoughts and all that. Um, you, you had your, your divorce. I mean, all of those things are such traumatic experiences, but they're also when it's most important to remember what tools you have available. That, that's what we were talking about this weekend. It's just, it's so vitally important. And you did it. And that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, it's, you know, I, I've discovered this weekend, for instance, that we women tend to minimize what we do, what we actually do. And I think it's true. I did it myself. And thanks to people around me like you here, um, I feel like I can say, you know, it's it's okay to say. It is it is really okay. We have to say and acknowledge what we have done because, yes, friends matter. Yes, opportunities matter. But nothing would have happened unless we did it, unless we took action, unless we took those steps, unless we made those decisions and and stick to them. You know, it is a conscious effort of the individual in the end. No matter how others contribute, if you don't want to listen, if you don't want to do anything, it won't happen. Yeah, that's true. So, Louis, um, as we're doing all this, I keep thinking in my mind about how often you, you talk about make sure you keep your focus. You know, what, what is it that you don't want and what does that lead to in terms of what you want? And, and as Andrea was telling her story, I just kept going back to that over and over again because that's really the path that she was leading up to, right? She had, She'd been through these rough things, and then she kept redirecting to, no, this is where I want to be instead. So it, it, it fit in with what you talk about a lot here on the show. Yeah, path paving. Pave, pave your path. So um, the, the way I like putting it is if you've got a dirty glass of water, how do you clean it? You just keep on pouring clean water in it, and it'll it'll become clean, and that process of putting clean water in consistently is really what we're talking about um you know just focusing on more and more and more what you want is going to bring you more what you want so 
it's pretty simple, um, but it, it, it takes a lot of time for people to truly understand the importance of negativity mm. uh, and to understand, you know, why what we don't want is so important. Yeah, sometimes uh, we experience negativity very, very deeply and hard and harshly and so forth. So it becomes pretty easy. But a lot of times the negativity is a little bit lighter and it's it's easy to skip over it. So that's why it's such an important thing to remember that that negativity is is actually useful um, if we can just remember to take advantage of it and say, okay, what do I want instead? I mean, Emory, you and I were, were talking about this idea a lot over the weekend and without getting yeah. into the, the details of what we talked about it, it's it's an ongoing thing really because we, we are all we all have difficulty you know stuff going on in our lives we all have challenges that come along sometimes they're really deep other times most of the time they're, they're relatively shallow but we always have to face up to how we're going to handle these things what, Absolutely. What, what do you think about when you think when you think about that <clears throat> when i think about it, i always sort of it's, it's amazing how much more quickly you catch it. And I do what Louis said. I think about, but don't focus on what you don't want. Focus on what you do want. And that's what I tend to go to. But sometimes it is literally just going back to the very basics of taking myself to the present moment, doing check-ins all the time, just all the stuff that you kind of start when you start these kind of practices. So they're things to start with. And sometimes I just go straight back there, start fresh, and build myself back up. Yeah, that's really it. It's also um, one of the things that, uh, another thing that you and I were talking about this weekend that really makes a difference. I mean, Andre, I'm curious to know what your take is on this. Um, when you're in a really bad place, that's when you find out just how valuable your social network is. The people that you are socially connected to, whether it be family, friends, whatever, because they can actually help you get through rough times if you have the, the right social network built up. And, and when, when someone doesn't have a good social network built up, that's when it's even harder because now you can't even lean on anybody else to help you, you know, guide you through whatever it is you're going through. I, yeah, I and if... look at it slightly differently. Sorry. Um, no, please. Um, Andrea, Walt, uh, I would say that if you have come to understand the law of attraction, you'd understand that even if your social network is minimalistic or if non-existent, if you really focus on what you want, you will draw towards you in any shape mm -hmm. or form um, something that, that, that'll come and help. So that, that's what I'm really looking at the moment is, you know, I really don't mind who's there and who's not there. I'm just really focused on what I want and let the universe bring the cooperative components closer to me so that I can I can work with them. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you saying, Andrea? Yeah, I was saying that I had both situations happening so i was deep down um we call it the how we call it the marian like the marian dip and i don't know something like that so i was really really deep down in the dark stuff and couldn't pull myself out uh, it was even physically painful just mentally emotionally spiritually and even physically painful and there were moments where i had a friend who talked to me who really encouraged me and i i got into that space where I could make changes, but I also had moments where it was just me and God, you know, just me and my, me, myself and I, but mm -hmm. in that me, myself and I was the higher power that I believe in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why for me now, when I talk to people, I say, 
maybe somebody believes in you and you have that person to hold on to, to build something that helps you, that supports you. Maybe there's no human in that moment that you can talk to who believes in you, but there is always something else beyond ourselves that really cares about us, that really holds us. And um, I think Louis here could be that the universe can also say universe, you know, Mm -hmm. that holds you and it's going to bring you what you need. And sometimes I know it may sound simple and it's like, Oh, this is, I keep hearing it all the time, but it's true. Ask and you shall receive. Keep asking, keep wanting from all your heart. Keep nurturing that ask. And like you said, it's going to come at the right moment. It may be hard to go through something at some point, but there is a space where God, the universe meets you and you're going to get that help. That, that journey of, of understanding and finding the non-physical part of yourself, which you might call source God, etc., etc., um, I think is, it's, 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 it's something we're not necessarily taught at school or along the way or anything, but we, we come to realize that as spiritual beings that there is something more out there, something else we can tap into, something else that can guide us and look after us um in in different ways and it's uh it, it's it's something that i really like asking so i wanted to ask you andrea about any interesting spiritual experience or any experience that you've had that you may wish to share with us also you mentioned your parents were of i think different religious or spiritual backgrounds or the same or i'm not sure but um i'd also be curious to know what that was my family is a mix so my father is, uh, I can call him an atheist, but I don't mm-hmm. think he really is because uh-huh. he believes in a high intelligence mm-hmm. in the universe. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's not quite an atheist. But anyway, no, depending no. on how we define it. Uh, so for me, my dad is a believer and he does have his own spirituality. And because the freedom he gave me in believing whatever I want to believe in and because of the conversations we had when I was older in my teenage years about uh, this belief that he has really opened up space for a lot of stuff. And in childhood, the most, um, let's say, the one who impact me, impacted me the most is my grandmother. She she's Christian or she was Christian Orthodox and she kept her rituals. She had her faith, you know, and I got used to those, those things. And the biggest thing that impressed me uh, relates to my grandmother was her unconditional love, her devotion mm-hmm. and her resilience, you know, and all those combined for me were like, this is not human. <laughs> that love <laughs> that she has for giving mm-hmm. somebody who hurts her, who's a love person. My uncle, uh, my uncle beat her. My my uncle was mm. physically abusive for mm-hmm. for a long time and also mentally and yeah. And um my mother, I don't know, because I haven't seen my mother do much. Um she was busy teaching, my dad was busy working, you know, I in Romania in those days before nineteen eighty nine, we lived in communism. Usually we went to kindergarten or school or between kindergarten and school I had moments where I stayed alone. This is not legal. You're not, it's not okay in Canada, in the United States, I guess. Mm. Uh, I was alone when I was less than six years old in mm. the home, you know, many hours. So, <laughs> um, I had different upbringing. My spiritual life has been freedom, 
free to think to be whoever I wanted. And one thing my parents never knew, and my dad will find out only if he's going to read my next memoir, my first memoir (laughs) that I'm writing, is that I had experiences that I could not share with anybody. Like I, nobody knew until I got older in my forties and I shared with my husband and then now recently on podcasts. But I did have experiences where my, my expression, my, let's say perception was kept alive. And one that's really memorable is where, um, there was a presence in the room, in the living room where uh, my parents lived and I was alone at home playing with toys. And I felt that presence. I turned around and it looked like an angel, but that didn't have wings. It's just simply some hollow things uh, instead of eyes. And the rest was light mm-hmm. and it was almost as tall as the room. And I simply felt called to just slowly move into the place where the being was. And I felt like recognizing that thing, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And when I went inside the space, and I turned towards the windows. I could physically see the windows that everything went white, a certain kind of light. And I started having in me, in my whole being, the feeling of oneness. Now mm-hmm. I can say oneness, but then it was infinite love, mm-hmm. infinite security, infinite protection, infinite light, infinite presence. And, and simply feeling that you are not alone, Andrea. You, you are, you are all and nothing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and you are not alone. And I kept that in my DNA, I think, in my bones, because for many years, especially after my mom died, I felt that I'm not alone. I felt that the higher power, source, spirit, God is with me and Mm -hmm. I could pull it up. I could go through all the challenges after my mom died and really pull myself up and become the pillar for myself and others. And uh, I disconnected from that experience, and it took me about 20 years to get back after coming back to all sorts of practices and remembering who I am. But yeah, my spiritual life is, is a combination of having experiences where I kept these insights, intuitions, perceptions alive, not by myself, but with help of all sorts of things. And experiences and also by finding tools, people, having them in my life, applying and using them. And then, you know, they got more and more and more to where my life has been serendipity in the last two years. Sorry, you said your life has been serendipity. Oh, like, serendipity. Oh, that's the word. Serendip- I must, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or synchronicity, how people mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, synchronicity comes and goes as enlightenment or alignment comes and goes. And uh, the the thing we were discussing a fortnight ago on, on the podcast was, uh, as I said to the lady, um, if we were always happy, we wouldn't know we were happy. Mm. So true. And a lot of people don't really get that. They always want to be happy and have peace everywhere. And if you had peace all the time, you wouldn't know it was peace. You know, you'd be clueless. So we, we really need to understand in life. I find more and more specifically looking at the ecological environment and soil that I'm big into at the moment is there's some, there's everything's linked to everything else. And you kind of have to learn to respect all the chains in the, 
in, in the process, or at least as many as you can be aware of, because they all work together. And uh, it's, it's the same with contrast. Um, you know, when you know what you don't want, you have a better idea what you do want. And so, you know, it, it just works in a circle. If you only know one, you don't know the other. And um, you become very, very comfortable and happy with negativity, with challenges, um, or whatever the words you want to call them because you're realizing that they're there to help you expand. Interesting you should be saying that because we had uh, David Strickle with Stream of David on last Tuesday uh, mm -hmm. for a return visit. And he was kind of saying the same thing only in a slightly different way. He uh, Apparently one of the latest uh, teachings from the stream is that, uh, uh, Andrea, the, the, the stream is kind of equivalent to Abraham Hicks. It's Abraham in the Abraham Hicks uh, world. Uh, but the, the stream w uh, lately has been talking a lot about uh, the vibrational spiral, as they call it, um, being a, a 20 point up, 20 point down, zero being neutral. So you can be, if you're like in the 15 to 20 range, you're really, really high, you know, appreciation, love, all that kind of thing. If you're in the, the minus 20 range, you know, minus 15, minus 20, you're depressed. You know, so that gives you an idea what the scale is like. And he said, David said that he had been living for quite some time in the 15 to 20 range all the time. And he said it was, it was kind of unusual but not unusual, it was kind of a, um, educational because he found that life was getting really slow and really dull <laughs> because nothing ever changed. <laughs> and so he brought himself back down into like the 10 to 15 range so that would be still good, but <laughs> but not dull, dull and boring. You're like, oh, my God, do we have to keep living this way? This is tiring. <laughs> That's true. So when, because I find that if I'm like really down, I don't fear those moments half as much because I know that when I come back up, I'm going to feel really, really good mm -hmm. and I'm going to have learned something and I'm actually going to be quite proud of myself because I do go into myself. So I'm, it's only me to get me out of it. Um, so I find those things, those moments actually quite powerful. Mm. They are. And, and the challenge is to decide for ourselves at any given time, where do we want to be on that spiral? Where do we want to be in, yeah. in that range? The more that we, I, I think that's one of the main things all of us are doing here. We're learning to kind of master that, to master that process of deciding moment to moment, where do we want to be? What do we want to do? Where are we aiming for? What, what, what are we trying to attract? What's, what do we prefer to give our attention to? We're, we're, we're learning to hone our focus. Mm. Those are great words. Hone your focus. Absolutely. Hone the focus. Mm. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah, so, Andrea, funny. you... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Now, you mentioned decisions, and I was thinking these days that um, we don't want to make decisions. <laughs> 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 right? Um, and the, the funny part is when we have to make decisions very often, <laughs> and it's, it's like this process of body balancing where the body needs to balance all the time, every second, every second the body is making decisions, and I think we are the same thing because – the more we become aware of what you all said now, the more we have to make decisions because we realize, oh, hold on. Uh, I really want to think if I want to do this. Because <laughs> mm. I really am careful about my energy. I'm really careful about who I want to be surrounded by. I'm careful about what I want to do next. So then you, you get those small decisions you have to take now because you're aware. And I'm like, ah, that's work. I don't want to do this. That was long ago, right? But then I'm like, well, eh, you know, I wanted it, so now I do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think about um, 
let's see, how, how do they describe it? I'm thinking about the Abraham Hicks teachings on this, and they, they go at it in a lot of different ways. There's one particular thing, and it was just in my mind, and it's gone, so I'll bring that back another time. Forget what I was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, now you so have and- to find it. <laughs> So, so Andrea, what, what I came to realize with the Abram Hicks teaching and the law of attraction was that um, I never worry about who's around me. I have no interest in that whatsoever. What I want to do is keep my own energy strong, and the law of attraction will bring the correct, appropriate people to me. So I'm not working on pushing anybody away. I'm only focusing on keeping my vibration high. And it's a far easier place to be than to... Say, I don't want that person. I don't want this one. I don't want that. You're just saying, I'm just going to keep myself positive. And if they are negative and they come into my space, they're going to be spun out. They're going to be thrown out. They're going to be pushed away by my own aura. They're not even going to be able to stay there. Or they'll be kind of like, or they will come and they'll raise themselves to my vibration. So your job is only just to keep your own vibration high. It's not to do anything with anybody else. I think you're right. And like Andrew said, we some of us really just don't like making those decisions and we don't want to as much as we don't want to take that accountability for what we're creating and for what we're attracting. Mm-hmm. I find that sometimes really hard, I have to say. I'm like, I didn't ask for that. Damn it, I did. It's your fault, Emery. <laughs> it is my fault. It's my own fault. <laughs> well, actually, that's something I've been wrestling with, uh, particularly lately, is recognizing that just because... I'm experiencing something that I really don't like doesn't mean it's my fault. I mean, I, I, I think it's actually kind of unhelpful to turn the situation into praise or blame. I think it's more appropriate to yeah, say, well, did I, did I, did I have a thought process that led up to this? Well, yeah, obviously I did. Otherwise I wouldn't have experienced it, but just kind of take the, 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 the right and wrongness out of it. Cause I think that screws me up more than anything else. Saying, well, yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. Well, yeah. It, Every subject's two subjects, so let's take the subject. The subject would be uh, blame. Um, so you could say, um, I'm going to use this blame to, to help make me stronger, or I'm going to use this blame to make me feel bad. So, again, it's it's another choice all about one subject. Which way are you going to look at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what am I going to learn from this is one of my questions. That's a good question. Not easy to remember, but you, but when you can remember that, that's going to really redirect you quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Quicker and quicker and quicker, and it becomes easy and easy and easy because you've practiced it and you become an active vibration for it. Mm. Yeah. That's true. So, Andrea, you, you uh, gave us your, your biography, so to speak, or your autobiography, uh, what you went through to get to where you are. What do you do now? Tell us about what you're doing now. Uh, last year, I started my company thinking of relationship coaching because I I saw my life and I was like, well, I turned relationships that were not so good into relationships that really empower me, nurture me, or simply that bring peace. So I started working with that. But then I realized that something in me was saying, "Mm, it's much more than that, Andrea. And I had to go through a process of self-leadership, self-discovery, of really getting uncomfortable to recognizing that I am a leader. (laughs) I got to start leveling up and really use all my gifts because leadership is where I thrive and where I can bring the best that I can serve people with. And now I do leadership coaching, especially for those who are intuitives, empaths, visionaries, anybody who has a mission 
that is called for in their heart, and they want to be change makers today. It's interesting to me that you start off describing it as a relationship coach, and then you talk about it as leadership. What's, what's the connection in your mind there? Well, a leader needs to have good relationships with themselves, with others, with life, with their mission, with their values, with beliefs, and to be able to build relationships because if you want to bring change, you got to have those, those relationships in place, especially if there are things you cannot do and you need somebody else to help you, either to de- you delegate it to them or you collaborate with them in any ways. You know, even with clients, you've got to know how to have how to communicate well and how to have good relationships with clients because there are many people who um, they are very good in many ways, but they really don't do well in relating with their clients or colleagues or employees. And that can be solved by just reminding yourself of certain things and working on your beliefs and really going deep down in your heart and bringing the best of you out there. And for me, especially, relating comes naturally. I build my network. <laughs> One word in my mind was not actually two, three words from the start. <laughs> no, I'm okay. a natural, I'm a natural connector. Everywhere I go, I make connections and see, oh, well, this person could really be helped by working with that person or being connected with that person or, mm. you know, I'm, I feel drawn to certain people. So it comes naturally for me. And I realized by talking to people that not everybody has that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I thought everybody could do this. <laughs> no, Andrea. I'm like, okay. So then I can bring that in. So I combine the two, being able to relate in a healthy way with yourself, life, and everything around you, uh, like you mentioned uh, here, I think all of you in different ways or in the same way, relating to life, so all things on the planet, that goes for sustainability for all of us, and also relate to whatever you need in your specific goals, your specific things, whatever you want to do as a leader, whether it's leader in your own life, leader in your family, leader in your business, community, whatever that is. And you mentioned that, uh, I don't remember the exact phrase, but the gist of it was you need to, to go into your own heart to, to find this information. What does that mean to you when you say you go into your heart? Like how, how does that, how does that manifest? <laughs> I have the background of being a heart imagery teacher. I was trained mm-hmm. to go into the heart using specific exercises, specific guidances, exercises. In just a couple of minutes, you go from the brain to the heart and the sacred space. So that would be one way to go into your heart. You know, we we hear this very often, heart-centered or connected with your heart, but it means different things for different people, although it's in the same place, in my opinion. But we have levels of experience. For me, the deepest level is where we can get into that sacred space of the heart, and then, which is the finite space, according to the school of the heart and the teachings from John Melchizedek. And then there's a deeper level where we become one with each other, which is the tiny space of the heart, which is deeper than the sacred space of the heart. That's an infinite space. And doing that, by doing that, that is a place where you can see your guidance, see, sense, feel, or know, because each of us has different gifts of perceiving. So this Sound could be one way, uh, visualizing colors or whatever could be another way. 
but it's the experience inside the field of the heart that for me is the deepest level because that's where we get the answers. You know, we can say intuition, we can say heart intelligence. The same words can direct to the same place. That for me is the deepest level of being connected to the heart. And that's what guide, guides me on my path. Whenever I need guidance, I go there because I believe we all have the answers within. And the easiest place to find it is through the heart because it's a neutral space. It doesn't have polarity. The brain has polarity. The heart doesn't. And it's a safe place to be in. It's only yours. You allow only what you want inside your heart. You're going to call in what you want and what you need inside your heart. And you are going to receive only what it is in your best and highest interest. So in your leadership coaching practice, what what are you doing with clients to help them make that heart connection and utilize it in their own lives? In my leadership coaching practice, the best and easiest tool that I have is using the gift of seeing images from people's heart. So mm-hmm. it's like um, my heart speaks the language of your heart, but my brain needs translation. So our hearts will connect and will speak the language. I will see it in images. And then my brain is going to translate those images uh, because they are symbols that I can understand. And when I relate them, it's in a way that intuitively the other person can understand. And then it's like a guidance reflected through me that the person goes through in order to shift whatever they need in the moment could be, beliefs could be the need for healing could be having awareness around something i'm just a conduit for something that we have forgotten and we can remember until we don't need that conduit outside of us anymore and we find our own way of remembering okay louis and marie does what she described there does that ring a bell for you for you i mean you, do you find you guys do anything similar to that I've, I've never. Oh, sorry, Louis. No, no, you go for it. No, as you can say that I have, haven't come across that one. That's a new one to me. But actually, while you were talking that, I was like then trying to breathe through my heart, and yeah, it just felt slightly different and just a lot more lovely. So I think I might practice on that one. Yeah, the question I wanted to ask you, Andrea, is you mentioned something that I would love you to elaborate a little bit on, and that was that the heart has no polarity. You will find more information in Drumblom uh, Melchizedek's work and Daniel Mittel's work from the School of the Heart. It's um, it's something that, personally, I had to get used to. <laughs> um And one way I can put it is that um, it starts from oneness. While the brain comes second, even when we are born, it's the heart that starts first and then the brain. And when, if we think of creation, for instance, I think this is the easiest way to see the difference between the two. In terms of creation, uh, Dranvul Melchizedek said that, and... um, I've experienced somewhat part of it. Uh, when we create from the brain using visualization or anything else, when we are strictly in the brain, because the brain has left and right hemisphere, 
and um, in the way the brain works, we're always going to have what we want and then what we don't want when we create in life. While with the heart, when we co-create with oneness, because the heart doesn't have that polarity, the heart is created as one thing and the field is, is one thing connected to oneness, then you have only what you need. See, I say what you need. I don't say what you want. Because this is another thing that I had to get used to, that co-creation from the heart in this way, through the teachings uh, that you find, especially in Awakening the Illuminated Heart, Illuminated Heart Workshop, you learn that um, when you connect with your higher self, with the divinity within, which is not polarized, then you co-create by receiving something that you need that your mind may not be able to grasp, may not be able to think about. And is it not in a way that your mind can perceive? It's another field of, it's another level of consciousness inside your heart. So, you know, Dravolo says this is a journey that we need to take back. We used to believe from the heart. We used to dream from the heart. Now only some of us do that. And the most usual things you hear from the Athenite monks, for instance, Athenite monks from the Mount Athos, for instance, in, uh, in, not in Athens, in Greece. They do continuous practice with the heart and they live from the heart. They dream from the heart. How you know that is when you dream from your heart, you only have beautiful dreams, lovely dreams. You don't have nightmares. You don't have ne negative emotions. That's how you know where you are. You're in the brain or you're in the heart. So when you co-create with the space of the heart, everything that you're going to live is going to be what you need. And then we come to the beginning of the conversation where you <laughs> it's uncomfortable because the mind wants something else. The mind is used to something else or we used to live with something else. But then the divinity, the sacredness inside of us is guiding us to something we really need. And it's not always what we want, expect, or it's what we think it's easy. Mm. <laughs> There's a few things I wanted to say is that when you're talking about heart, we're often thinking in terms of emotion. Um, I'm guessing, or I'm getting the feeling that the word heart, the way you're using it is more the way I would use it would be source energy, which is pure positive energy where there can be no negativity. Um, that is the pure positive space. So I was wondering, is there a link in the way that you teach it between the heart and emotion, or is the heart more um, source energy? In the School of the Heart teachings, there is a difference we're making between feelings and emotions. Emotions are considered that which is produced by the brain. And okay. Feelings is that which is produced by the heart. And feelings are love, compassion, anything that's expansive, while emotions are like fear, for instance, it's constrictive. So that would be, I hope, uh, an easier way to separate these these two, feelings and I've emotions. I've never thought of, of separating feelings and emotions. I'm going to have to yeah, it's about different. that one. Hmm. Interesting you know, point. It, Language, right? Because mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we use them interchangeably uh, in our everyday life. Right. It's just 
in the school of the heart, we try to separate them because we also talk about seven virtues of the heart, love, truth, beauty, trust, harmony, peace, and reverence for God or the higher power. Mm-hmm. So when you think of those, these are the virtues you want to have in your heart. They they are naturally there in your heart. We just need to tap into them. And um, the practices that, for instance, the Athenite monks do really hold us in that vibration, hold us in that in that level of being every day, every second. It's, a, it's continuous work, actually. <laughs> continuous work. Am I, am I grasping correctly uh, that the way the, the, your, your school, so to speak, the way you differentiate between the feelings and the emotions, feelings are what in the rest of the world we would tend to call the positive emotions and emotions are the negative emotions. Am I getting that right? Yes. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's another way to put it. Yeah. Now, I am a teacher of the school of the heart. I, I don't own the heart. I'm just a teacher associated with the heart. And what I do in my coaching is separated from the practices of the school of the heart because um, the exercises, for instance, that we've learned, that I've learned, I only teach two out of seven workshops that the school of the heart is teaching. And I teach heart imagery one and two. In those, we learn exercises that anybody can do at home through which we go down from the brain to the heart and the sacred space. And there's a specific guidance which you go through so that you get the answers or messages or transformation that you need in the moment to find peace, to uh, release or transform emotions, you know, whatever that is. Any exercise you pick is going to bring anything you need. And in a way, it's the same with the guidance that I do through the... Um, this way of seeing images in other people's hearts. The difference is that what I do is not an exercise. It is something that happens according to the needs in the moment of the person in front of me. So it's like their higher power is guiding, if the person allows to be guided, Mm -hmm. is guiding the process that they need to go through in order to receive what they need in the moment. So when you are tying that into, um, I'm looking for vocabulary here, to what you're doing within a session with somebody. <laughs> leadership coaching. Yeah. But leadership coaching, yeah. So in, in the context of leadership coaching, when, when you are in that moment with them, you, you're, you're engaging not just on a verbal level with them, but you're also doing this other part to essentially connect to who they are and and i'm not quite sure exactly what you're doing with with that information but you're you're making that connection yes it's a process of remembering who they are basically that that's what it is and it doesn't come from me it comes from themselves which for me is fascinating to be able to uh perceive what somebody else has inside and be able to have listen to the messages, listen to their own language and transfer that in a way that their mind can understand, not just their soul, their spirit, their whole being, but the mind can understand because we're making decisions at the mind level, right? But it's the subconscious that leads us. That's that's one thing that Bruce, you know, when I heard this first time, I was like, oh, 
95% of my life is ruled by my subconscious. I don't like that. <laughs> I want to control. It's a really awful thing. Yeah, I mean, like, this is out of my control is what it feels like. Yeah. Exactly. So I didn't want to, no, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> but then when everybody says the same thing, you're like, oh, okay, I'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> the reluctant student. So, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was. And then this process of through the heart, how, you know, honestly, I'm going to say this. This is not just my gift. Everybody has this gift inside and everybody can do it in their own way. It's just that some of us discover it and can help others discover it on their own. Like we all have our own things through which we remember. We discover who we are and we get our gifts out and we use our potential. It's just that sometimes we need somebody else to help us until we are on our own. So for me, that is leadership coaching. It's a process where somebody's there to help you lead your own way. That's interesting. So um, basically redirecting the word leadership away from what is typically used, like in business circles. Oh, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be your leadership coach. Okay. Taking it away from that concept and putting it into the concept of I am through this coaching leading you to your own self. It's a different use of the word leadership. That's why I say co-empowerment because mm. it is a process we do together. It's a do with process, not do on to. Mm. You know, I am there with you. Like even literally in the journeys from the heart, I am very often next to the person in that vision. I'm really next to them. They feel me. They sense me. I'm right there with them, seeing what they see, feeling what they feel. You know, it's it's not, a, you know, I'm just an observer. I'm not just an observer. I'm right there with them. If they see something that's very traumatic, I can perceive that, and I can help them shift that just because I hear what their heart is guiding them to go through. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been in awe since I've learned how to work with people in my own way. And it is a journey that's very challenging and difficult when you see people around you doing things uh, in a way that you're like, ah, I couldn't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sell like that. I want to market like that. I don't want to talk about it. I like, for me, it's different. I, it's been a lonely journey until I found other people like me. Mm. Well, that's understandable. Sure. Because we, we do look for people who are like us, who, we can identify with and, and share things with and so forth. Um, Anne-Marie, I know that you're you're just in the early stages of taking your earliest steps into the coaching space. When you're hearing this, what are you thinking? I'm curious to know what's going on in your mind right now. Oh, it just sounds so fascinating. And do and I, I love the fact that you picked on leadership and your explanation on how you do your leadership, you're leading people. That's just literally, if, you, if you're going into coaching, that's what you want to do. You just want to empower people to just achieve what they want to achieve and i just yeah it just sounds very exciting just makes me feel quite pumped up <laughs> well that's cool that's a nice response chris louis has been coaching for forever usually in the sauna but uh he's, he's been coaching all over the place <laughs> I, I don't coach okay so i just share my passion 
That's fine. That's all right. That's, <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't want to use the word coaching. No, no. It's like, like like me not wanting to be a guru, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the idea of a guru. I know you do, yeah. Because <laughs> a, a true guru doesn't teach. He doesn't teach. He doesn't fool. He shows by his living example. Mm. That's true. But when you when you were hearing what Andrea was thinking, what what were your impressions? Um, it, it fits in pretty much exactly with the way I'm, I think it and see it, um, but with different words, different angles, different um, structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that is what is great about anybody on this planet is if you've learned anything, you can start sharing it with somebody else. And a lot of people get stuck at that stage of, you know, uh, I've only just had a little bit of experience. I can't teach anybody. Um, and that's not really valid at all. And uh, everybody's drawn to different people. So some people were drawn to Andrea. Nobody will be drawn to me, but that's okay. Um. No, we know that's not true. You've told us the stories in the past. Don't give us, you can't pull that one. Sorry. You're not getting so, you know, everybody's drawn to different kind of teachers. Some people want a loving heart teacher. Some people want a mental mind teacher. Some people want, you know, this kind of teacher, that kind of teacher, devotions, you know, et cetera. So every, there's, I mean, the yogis have broken it down to about four or five different types of people who need different types of teachers. And when I, I heard it the other day, it's like, wow, that's spot on, absolutely spot on. Um, you know, you can pretty much break any seeker or student up into those, those divisions. And, um, you know, I've always go back to the yogis. They've definitely looked at this in so much more depth and detail and structure and clarity than, um, or, Almost any, anybody else I found on this planet, but, um, from not out of body, like, uh, Abram Hicks type people from people that <laughs> are talking from their own perspectives, etc. Um, so yeah, it's just, just, um, curious as to, as to how you've been doing it, Andrea. And, and it's really, really interesting. And I, I admire you for, for taking the steps and following your own path and, and doing it because I can see there's a, there's a deep level of honesty and, and, um, clarity about what you're doing. And I've always loved and appreciated that when I see it in somebody. Also, you know, you've got a really nice, if I may say so, aura. You know, you've got a strong, clear presence. And uh, I, I'm always, you know, appreciative when I bump into people like that. It's... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's- as I said, it's quite a journey, uh, because I found myself in the position of the person you just mentioned where, oh, I'm at the beginning, but I don't have, I haven't worked with many people like that, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you know? And then when you look around, you see people who are already made a lot of money and did a lot of stuff. Why? Because they had courage. Mm. That's it. They just, they just went like through it. So now they I took say, the bull with the bull by the horns and ran. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to recognize I had fear, you know, and I've learned through experience to say, you know what, fear, you're my friend. Because resistance and fear or any kind of resistance just shows you're on the right path. Like Mm -hmm. I keep hearing mentors saying the same thing and I've lived it myself. So when I have it, I'm like, oh, you're here. Oh, okay, good. So I'm going to keep moving. You know, you're going to be mm. here. You can stay right here inside me. I'm going to go through you. I'm going to go with you, but mm. I'm going to go because this is a clear sign. I'm on the mm. right path. So no matter what, 
uh, just do it <laughs> because you're going to get the experience you're going to get. It happened to me too. It, it comes. Mm. It comes. Just like you said, Louis, um, with that thing of just keeping the, the track and the universe is going to bring. That's mm-hmm. what happened to me too. Interesting. Great. You really embrace um, the fear that way. I mean, you, it's not <clears throat> most people, their tendency would be to run away from it or to you know, avoid it or you know, if there's a resistance point on oh, no, that, we got to get around the resistance point. You, no, you, you want to run head on at it. Okay, let's go. I'm a, rela- I'm a relationship girl, right? So for me, I use the idea of relationship with everything. I have relationship with air. I have relationship with the wings of birds. I have relationship with like anything. If there's something that uh, bothers me or whatever, I'm like, how can I relate with you? How can you and I have a relationship here? You know, and just fake it. I'm like, okay. So this is your message. This is what you want. Okay. Remember, Anne-Marie, when you said you're wondering what's the lesson? Yeah. I'm asking myself the same thing. Oh, you're here. Like, what's, what's your lesson here? What, what are you trying to tell me? Oh, good. Okay. Let's, let's go together. <laughs> Andrea, there's, there's a funny story. Um, I was at a big training, uh, in, in Eastern Europe. Um, you might relate to this. And, uh, there was this guy who did incredibly well and he got on stage and there was this American who, who was the president and all the rest of it. And he said, how, how, what's your secret? How, how did you do so well? So this guy said, this business is all about Russian ships. He says, Russian ships? What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, this is so yeah. funny. So, so there's there's an inside joke in the company that this business is all about rushing ships. <laughs> I thought you specifically know, appropriate in this day and age. <laughs> uh, you know, there is another joke that I I think I can say, and uh, I really ask forgiveness now for whoever is listening and is making connections. But before 1989, when Ceausescu was uh, the president of Romania, of communist Romania. Uh, adults used to make jokes and we, the children, we used to tell them right where you're not supposed to at the corner of the street. <laughs> of course, that's what children are supposed to do, right? That's the child's right? role. <laughs> Out loud. So the, the joke is that, uh, Ceausescu goes to France, um, and then, you know, he comes back and people ask him, oh, so do you speak French? And he said, Putin. Now, uh, Putin is written in the same name as Putin. So, and Pusa means just P-U-T with a, with a thing, uh, underneath and I am. So yeah, like just those, those jokes then seem like so awkward now. <laughs> with, with certain things like, ooh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Careful, we might get a nuke. Huh? <laughs> no, uh, chocolate you mean, nuts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Andrea, uh, one thing I want to uh, do before we uh, finish up with the show for today is get some information about, well, first of all, you have a little uh, a little uh, giveaway thing that uh, is available for anybody who wants to take the first few steps on the path that you've taken. Tell, tell us about, uh, I think you call it the seven keys to clarity. Yeah, so basically, you know, taking on Louise's uh, uh, prompt here, if you want to take the bull by the horns, <laughs> get some get some clarity in your life and ask yourself seven questions. That's that's what it is there. Seven questions to ask yourself that take you layer by layer in getting clarity of your life, of where you are, where you were, where you are, where, where you want to go. And if you have some time and take courage in really looking with honesty uh, at your life, if you need to get some support, 
that's where you can help yourself because clarity is so important. It, it's going to bring, and again, Louis, I come back to you because when we have clarity, we know what to ask. We know what we're calling for. So then that things comes easier in our life because like you said, and it comes natural to really remove the rest. We don't need to fight to keep things safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say, Oh, that's what I want. Nope. I don't want that. That's easy. And before saying about my website, I really encourage you listening right now and watching right now. Go and see LOA today. They have amazing guests. And these people together, they really bring a lot of juicy conversations. And also leave them a review because this is how we podcasters know what works, what doesn't, and how we should change things and how we do it. So, and yeah. (laughs) And my website is andreaputu.ca, my name, andreaputu.ca. And speaking of podcasts, you also have a podcast what's called Healing Through Oneness. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, my podcast came out of the idea of, hey, I'm a change maker and I want to be inspired by other change makers. So how can I do that? Well, the easiest way is to interview them. I think mm-hmm. you said, Walt, right? That mm-hmm. the easiest way to learn something to really oh, yeah. be nurtured is to interview people. So that's what I did. And oh my gosh, the conversations, like really, I completely understand hosts after having my own show, <laughs> right? how, how much it means and yeah, how much it changes your thinking, your perception. Yeah. And also the stories we bring uh, as hosts and guests together really are something unique. Um, I have I have not found things like that outside of the podcasting environment. Like what we are bringing together here, the stories and how we interact with each other is mm-hmm. quite special. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's I think sometimes people, especially if they're thinking about entering the podcasting space for the first time, they they kind of get the wrong end of the stick. They think, oh, this is me doing radio and I'm going to have all these listeners. But really, that's not the way to, to go at it. The way to go at it is, what can I learn out of this? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, when you really go at it that way, all of a sudden, listeners start showing up. That's law of attraction right there, by the way. But that's exactly the way it really works. So, I mean, we all have a tendency to figure out ways. How can I leverage this into something else? How can I monetize it? How can I turn it into something? You know? But there's sometimes it's just good to Ask yourself, what can I get out of it? What what, 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 what can I learn from this? What can I, what can I grasp from talking with somebody else and, and really learning to appreciate their perspective? So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It, it's, it's a huge deal. And it, it shows me you're on the right track with your podcast. Your podcast is going to be a success as long as you do that. Same like you guys, right? For so long. (laughs) (laughs) One last thing I want to say before you go. There are many people, including on your, listening to your podcast, who have heard you, they've seen you, they've, they've uh, read your stuff. Um, but you, you'll never meet them. You'll never see them. You'll, you know, they, they, they grabbed something. They, they, they heard something that resonated with them. They, they put it to use. And on their behalf, I want to thank you for, for what you do because you you don't get thanked for that. And you should be. You, 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 you keep giving a lot of great stuff out to the world and, those people who you'll never meet, you'll never see are grateful, but you don't actually hear it. So on their behalf, thank you for what you do. Well, I have to return it because I thank you because this is an amazing opportunity. I've never had, well, I, I did have three uh, hosts uh, before, but not one woman inside the group. So yay. <laughs> 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 <Congratulations>. <laughs> 
Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And Anne-Marie and Louie, thank you as usual for your wonderful contributions. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you.